Hello, my fellow zoos, and welcome to a challenging and important new moon episode of Zooier Than Thou. I'm Fausti. And I'm Toggle, Doug Spink's faithful lackey slash peon. And we'll be your unwavering guides for tonight's episode. We've got a lot of positive comments on our last episode, but <laughs> one of the funniest for us was, please stop doing comedy. Well, the good news is we really don't have a lot of funny things to say tonight. No fun interludes or spoof advertisements this episode, though they'll be back for the upcoming full moon one. Meanwhile, suffice it to say, the past two weeks since the last episode have been intense. We're exhausted, we're tired, and I just want to thank Fausti for coming down to the studio at this ridiculous hour, because it's the only time I could get it. No problem. <sighs> this episode follows up on the last episode's exploration of the sadism leaks from last September, what everyone still calls, quote, the Kuro situation, unquote, even though we now know Kuro was not a central figure in any of this. Little did we have any idea, but last episode's look at these torture crimes, and we now know that's a much more accurate word for what this is than sadism. That episode shook loose an ever-growing tsunami of previously secret revelations and details that have opened up a serious new effort to shut this particular torture ring down forever. We're going to lay out events since the last episode in chronological order, step through how each connects to the fast clarifying bigger picture, and share our view of our collective responsibilities as a community going forward. There's a lot to unpack, and a lot of it's unpleasant, but we feel like it's very important to talk about this. This stuff isn't fun. It's not gonna get anyone voted most popu zoo, and it doesn't make for easy reading, but none of that changes the need to face it honestly, directly, and courageously. It started with the first email we received from someone called Shadow Wolf, who claimed to have insider knowledge of what happened with regards to Kiro and the first leaks. He said, I deal with this stuff. If you're really in doubt, talk to me personally. And of course, he sent a link to a giant telegram archive, which we specifically said we did not want. So I told him to contact Fausti, and he did. This fellow came out the door swinging. I've been watching you for some time, he says, but just <laughs> boasting in intimidation right from the start. He said he had solid proof on Kiro being guilty of sadism. Okay, so provided. He couldn't. Shortly thereafter, he conceded that there was no hard proof that Kiro actually did anything seriously wrong, that everything was purely circumstantial with regards to Kiro. He then proceeded to tell me that he knew where I lived. Did you know that I live in Chicago, Toggle? <laughs> well, that's news to me. I could have sworn you explicitly said you lived in Harmony, Pennsylvania on one of our episodes for everyone to hear. Such savvy misdirection on your part, Fausti. This ended up being one of those conversations that's really difficult to gloss or summarize. Early on, he threatened me with some sort of dire consequences. Not sure what I was or was not supposed to do to avoid this, but oh well. My immediate reaction, as is my usual policy, was to tell him to go ahead and do it, whatever it is. The best way to deal with threats is to jump right to the money shot and get it over with. Then you can loop back and continue doing what you were doing beforehand. Next, I was told that I was dealing with the leader of online zoos. <laughs> Literally, that's the title he gave me for himself. Oh this runs in circles from here, never leaving surreal along the way. Eventually, I'm banned from a telegram group I don't belong to, accused of trying to out someone along the way. I, I don't even know who that was. Reminded of the dire consequences I was going to face, 
basically we're going nowhere and I needed a second set of eyes because I just couldn't make sense of any of this. So yeah, at some point Fausty pulled me into this group chat with this guy and I'm already like, I want nothing to do with him. <laughs> so we're in this chat with three different versions of Shadow <laughs> and he messages me on one of them like, why are you in this chat? And I'm like, I was added to the chat and he says, leave. <laughs> so obviously I didn't leave even though I wanted to. He then called me a peon and a lackey, which was incredibly insulting, by the way. Uh, the whole time thrashing about and making demands. It became clear this guy was used to throwing his weight around and getting what he wanted out of people. And I was not interested in being bullied around. So we kept harping on about how we didn't have any leverage on him. We couldn't prove anything. You know, the types of things people don't usually say when they're innocent of something. That concept of leverage and who does or does not have it has been put to me more in the past two weeks than in all the rest of my life combined. I've been told I don't have leverage over people I don't even know, apropos of nothing, more than once. Leverage? In this case, it's someone who contacted us promising to correct errors in our last episode. We got from there to leverage in no time whatsoever. And remember, this guy had come to us claiming to have information on Kiro. And he doesn't. Strike one. He threatens me, out of the blue, and tries to intimidate Toggle, strike two. Then he claims credit for nailing Woof, the guy in Cuba, and, and that's just strike out, buddy. But there's more strikes after that, correcting errors that he never even points out, let alone corrects, threatening me with who knows what for no reason, creepy insinuations of being local to me by repeatedly sending me pictures of hot dogs. <laughs> yes, hot dogs. Not hot but, dogs, but, but like hot dog, like yeah, hot dogs. Not, not a <laughs> hot dog. Just hot dogs with like ketchup on them. <laughs> really, at this point, who's counting the number of strikes? I'm ready to write this guy off as sort of harmless, but crazy. Tangle up in two-legger politics and weird telegram zoo power dynamics. You know, unfortunately, not all that uncommon. But then something kind of clicked. I mean, nobody legitimate uses Zeusadism or torture as background music for their telegram shenanigans, do they? It, it, it's at first just a hunch, a sense that there's no possible way a discussion like this happens with someone living in what I now think of as the non-torture world. So I kept pressing him, by now so flagrantly that it risked tipping over into satire. This is a completely not fun activity, but I had a sense it might just pay off, and it did. Yeah, I was like, I don't know why you're still goading him. But then Fausty's like, this is why. And he sends me a four-dent message Shadow sent from Akela, accusing him of being a Zeusadist. After all, Akela writes, the best way to hide is something is to pretend to be against that exact same thing. Shadow sent me that to prove that he was friends with Akela, question mark. I have no <laughs> real idea what he thought he was doing when he sent me that. But he went right into defensive mode after that. Show me literally anything you have on me that links me stronger to Zeusadism than Kiro. Prove it. You can't. Well, that's just not how someone not tied up in this shit acts when confronted with such an accusation they themselves sent to me. <laughs> this is some this is something else we've seen way too much of in the past two weeks. Ask someone if they are a torturing sadist, and the reply is, we can't prove that. There's no proof. Well, Okay, I mean, an answer like that probably wouldn't convince a 12-person jury beyond a reasonable doubt of your guilt. 
but I can count how many times I've ever had that reply from anyone in my entire life before the past two weeks. On one paw with toes to spare, I mean, given that I've spent about six years of my life in various federal prisons, that's kind of an interesting statistic in terms of comparing with the last two weeks. Well, the conversation just got weirder and exponentially darker from there. Shadow started throwing everyone he could under the bus. He accused Akela of a profoundly destructive predilection after harping on what good friends they were. Bragg said he's untraceable, that he's deleted all the evidence. Deleted all the evidence! <laughs> <laughs> Even though, of course, Fausti's been screen-capping everything in real time, says that he'll just claim the conversations are faked. Then the unthinkable happens. Well, I've been trying to make a Telegram voice connection for a while at the end of this chat with Shadow. Mostly just to show that we're still in reality land here, and that we're still just two male humans exchanging language. Kind of bring things back to stable ground, as it were. Text chat can get pretty weird if, it le if left to its own devices. And he's not answering, of course, and I'm not surprised. But then, after I tell him I've heard all I need to know, and I've got other things to do, he actually calls me back. I take the call. I did tell him that I was recording the call so I can share it with others if necessary, and I confirmed several times that he was okay with being recorded. He did say yes, he was okay with that. So then I step through how I feel like our chat just went, what I feel like he's tacitly admitted to being and doing, and how I feel it's necessary to respond to such admissions. And by now he's just going backwards, denying having admitted anything, claiming to be the scourge of torturing sadists, and so on. I, I can tell he can't even fucking figure out where I live from the hints such as me saying where I live in the last podcast episode he claims he's calling in to correct errors in. So I'm not sure I can imagine him being the scourge of anything, to be honest. Eventually, I simply told him I'd heard what I needed and that anyone else working with us could listen to the call, read the chat, and come to their own conclusions. My work, I told him, was done in this, and he'd have to answer it to folks with a lot more power and authority than I have in all of it. By then, about six hours into this interaction, I admit that I'm kind of fed up and angry. This is about goddamn torture of animals, and somehow this asshole is run in circles all the time without showing any signs he actually gives a shit about the torture part. Like so much else we'll soon experience, he seems much more focused on the politics and appearance and power dynamics at play between different people and different groups. Oh, and the rounding error is the torture part. Oh, I'm sorry, but fuck that. Backwards priorities for me. Basically, I've concluded this guy is deep in this entire swirl of sadists and torturers and violent monsters that we're zeroing in on. And in his own words, he's functionally labeled himself as one already. So I'm done. Call's over. Oh, and one more thing. In those hours of talking, he has not once brought up non-humans, concern for non-humans, or frankly, anything even vaguely Zoo-ish in any way. This was 100% two-legger power politics from the ersatz leader of online zoos. Fucking whatever, man. Well, we felt the next best move was to talk to Akela, let him know what Shadow was saying, and find out his side of the story. We're told that immediately after Frosty finished the call, Shadow went totally apeshit in the Zuidmin Telegram chat, or whatever, threatening to go public with some <laughs> logs that were under federal investigation in retaliation against Akela, whom he thought we'd already contacted, but we hadn't. We're getting pinged from every direction, asking what the hell just happened, and we're kinda not sure how to answer. Yep. 
from total strangers and old contacts alike, I'm getting, man, what the fuck did you guys just do? Shadow is going apeshit. Since then, we've slowly been filling in the bigger picture piece by disgusting piece. It's been a really unpleasant process. Oh, and keep in mind in the background, Shadow Wolf is spinning up fake accounts to message saying, Hi, Fausty. Shadow's not such a bad guy. Be nice to him. It's like some bad parody of sock puppeting. <laughs> really only worth pity. <laughs> There's a lot of unpleasantness that followed in these conversations. Details of consensual blackmail fetish groups tied to these Zeusatists. Details of acts committed by different torturers. Details of who was involved and how they were involved. Through all of it, things were starting to make sense. How Akela was involved, how Kiro was involved, how Snake Thing was involved. And the fact that there were torturers that weren't released in the first leaks in September, ringleaders that had been scrubbed from the leaks. That definitely became clear. Mm. Now, I have to pause and say that at this point, a lot of information we were receiving was straight up misdirection. But in receiving it from multiple directions, we were sometimes able to begin piecing together what was real and what wasn't. That's a slow, frustrating process, made necessary only because so many of the people we're now talking to are absolutely unapologetic and occasional pathological liars. Someone tells you the sky is blue, you stick your head out the window to double check. It's that bad. Mm. Over and over and over we've seen that. Despite that, we can winnow down some baseline facts, some reliably imputed structure, some well-defined areas where we're still lacking reliable knowledge, and a whole bunch of mostly reliable, internally consistent, best estimate from the known facts, inferences, and deductions. There's a picture. Some areas are sharp, some are blurry, but it is a picture, and it's an ugly fucking picture. Two things were becoming consistent. One, Kiro was being groomed by Snake Thing, likely since before he was a legal adult. Kiro did participate in the sharing and consumption of torture videos, but he'd have moments of clarity where he'd be disgusted with himself and try to walk away, but he'd be back again the next day. Being groomed into this stuff is a soul-crushing process, and Kiro's was steeped in it for years. That he doesn't seem to have ever ended up participating himself is noteworthy given that information. As an aside, Reading back through years of Kiro's logs and DMs, I can only say that we as a community failed this young man first and foremost. He was so young when he first showed up at Beast Forum, which, by the way, having 13-year-olds join porn forums maybe not such a fucking responsible decision, Beaker. Mm -hmm. Anyway, nearly all the pressure he's getting at that age is to relax his ethics, not be so worried about a little violence here and there, admit that he likes the hard stuff, what the fucking fuck? Seeing how that happened at Beast Forum, I can only say that our worst suspicions of how noxious that forum had become don't even come close to matching reality. Irrespective, the failure here is collective. This young man drifted deeper and deeper into a world of pure shit. And really nowhere along the way did anyone reach out and actually try to show him a better path. Not that I saw. Maybe everyone's just too busy screaming about bullshit on Twitter or whatever, myself included. But we all bear responsibility for an environment in which the most obvious place for a youngster to learn about our world is a noxious scamware site run by a drooling idiot hiding out in the UK. Anyway, back to number two. Everyone we talked to was afraid of someone, of a Kayla, of Shadow Wolf, of each other, of, quote, them, sometimes of Toggle and I. They all seemed to have leverage over each other. They all sought leverage over us or claimed they already had it. Fucking leverage. 
Right now, I'd like to leverage this whole fucking shit pile of broken souls into the ocean and pretend it just never existed. Honestly, fucking leverage. <laughs> One thing to note is that when we approached this, we went very directly. It wasn't about gaining leverage over people to blackmail them, which I realized was a huge surprise to almost everyone in this. <laughs> it was about saying, hey, tell us what's going on or get the hell out of our way. And that seemed like a foreign language to these folks. No matter how much we simply say we're looking to learn what happened and what's happening now, most we talked to cannot imagine any such thing. It was just a ruse to try to get them to give us leverage. We're trying to correct any errors in our little podcast, and they are down the dark rabbit hole of blackmail, violence, <laughs> lies, underage grooming, threats, and, of course, leverage. Leverage. So one particular person who's been giving me a lot of information, he's been acting a little suspicious. Just little things. I, I noticed at one point he stopped using periods when he's typing. Well, that's weird, I said. All your periods just disappeared. Stop being paranoid, he responded. Which was a bit weird. I didn't accuse him of anything. Mm. I just noticed his writing had changed a little bit. Another, I answered a snarky question with, okay, just okay. In that conversation, the reply was that I needed to stop accusing everyone of being spies or sadists if I wanted to have anyone talk to me. Huh? You got all that from okay? These kinds of gruesome jumps were everywhere we turned. And you never know when you'll ask a straightforward question and end up off in some parallel universe of lies and accusations as a direct result. Uh, just to jump in, another unsettling theme was that it seemed every time we stumbled upon something legitimate, the person we were talking to would be like, stop being paranoid. Fausti is a paranoid motherfucker, clinically paranoid. It is fair to call him paranoid. When every single time you say it, what he's paranoid about ends up being true, it's alarming confirmation of that paranoia. You can't excuse a fact by insisting that Fausti is paranoid, and that's why he's uncovered the fact. You just That's just not how reality works. He may be paranoid. Heck, he'll tell you himself he is paranoid. And for good reason, if you ask me. But that doesn't change whether water is wet or gravity works in a vacuum. They're totally unrelated issues. I have seen Fausti called paranoid right after he told someone he's paranoid, and more than once. Times like that, you really, <laughs> you really do have to laugh despite the ugliness of all this. Mostly, I tell people up front, I'm normally suspicious, and after what I've seen lately, I'm right up in full paranoid mode right now, so please don't act surprised when I act suspicious. But that never works. We get into a talk, something doesn't line up, I point that out, and fuck you, Pousy, you paranoid fuck. Well, sure, okay. But that still doesn't line up. I don't know. I do wish I was imagining all this. I really do. <clears throat> That'd be a much better world. With one guy, he's lecturing me about how I don't quote-unquote get it and never will, and I keep asking him to explain it. And he's sort of dancing around and suggesting he can help, but then he doesn't. And I'm sort of watching the clock thinking, I could literally be doing anything in the world but this right now. Why the hell am I talking to this tragically damaged human being I've never met and never will? And then... Out of the blue, he uses the term puppy splitter to describe one of the acts. Uh, Just out of the blue. Uh, like you might say, pipe cleaner or estate planner. Puppy splitter. Horrific. It's just fucking horrific. And and worse, it sounded kind of familiar. Where I'm thinking, where did I hear that before? So this guy seems particularly preoccupied with rainsters, asking for everything I know about him. That's fine. I sent him an audio clip with all the details I know about it, only out of paranoid habit, 
I changed a couple of those details from what was really true. Basically, I said that I had helped hunt down racers 10 years ago and done my best to stop them, at least temporarily, unfortunately. From the cutting dogs open and fucking their entrails while they were still alive and screaming in pain habit that he has developed. <clears throat> you know, the usual shuff. Just with puppy changed to dog, and one more change I prefer to keep private for future use. Stepping back, he started out by saying that he and Akela had been stalled for the past six months in their work. But later in the conversation, he said, well, you know, we've actually got this all under control, so don't worry about it. Well, of course, I'm worried about it. Animals are being literally tortured to death, and you've been sitting on your ass for six months, and now you're trying to tell me it's all under control? Bullshit. And nobody said a word about Rainsters and all of this thing yet. Nothing. I told the story only to demonstrate the absurdity of awful things I've seen before, which, yes, Rainsters. And suddenly someone's echoing back the details of Rainsters' evisceration techniques to me in perfect detail. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Just fucking back this shit up a minute. Uh, inserting another theme here. When we realized we were being misdirected, a common theme in that misdirection was... Everything is under control. Just don't do anything rash or you can fuck everything up. We've got this. Yes. Whenever things got awkward to the point of surreal, we'd fall into the, it's all being handled. The details are secret. Nothing to see here, folks. Move right along. These are not the torturers you were looking for, Black Hole. So in this conversation, I tell him I have no intention of letting this go. And he starts demanding that I send him everything I have on Rainsters. Every nickname, every detail. Rainsters? Why Rainsters? He's not even part of this. That was a decade ago. So I say, okay, I'll send you everything. And he's like, good, good. Then I say, no, of course I'm not going to send you everything, you idiot. Well, don't you agree that he should be stopped? And then he proceeds to describe in detail the exact acts that Rainsters committed, echoing back a puppy-based evisceration scenario, which is not what I said in my voicemail to him. And he also flips another little tidbit to the way Rainsters actually did things in his videos that I had changed in my voicemail. So right there, either you have watched all of the Rainsters videos amazingly closely, a disgusting job I've actually done and I hope few others have, or you are Rainsters and you know how you did things in the videos, neither of which lined up with who I was supposed to be talking to, which of course I'm paranoid, but I'm thinking the average person doesn't just randomly switch dog to puppy in that wonderful little scene when they repeat that unambiguously, unimaginably evil thing I've just told them in my voice message. Which, I guess I'm paranoid for noticing that? When I pointed it out, he was like, oh, you know, I meant what you said before. No, but you don't understand. What you describe by accident is exactly what Rainsters did, which means you're either very familiar with Rainsters videos or you're Rainsters. And there was a pause and he replies, so what happens now? Mm. Well, I told him I had a PET scan that day and it really wasn't good news. How long you got, he asked. Hard to say, I told him. I'm guessing maybe six months until I'm in the hospital. You think that's enough time, I asked him? I don't know, he says. I do, I told him. At that point, he tells me that oddly, he respects me. He says I'm an ass, <laughs> but he respects me. I can tell him I can't say the same about him, and he says he can certainly understand why. That happened. It, it really did. That conversation happened. Now, this was in theory a chat with some furry kid who owns the account we were using, which, yeah, I guess maybe he just went haywire and said those things. I may be paranoid, 
but you're going to have to be one hell of a conspiracy theorist to explain how a random furry suddenly starts answering questions as Rainsters. Because that's what he was doing. Call it what you will, but that's what it looks like. So, Rainsters, aka Tim Amoroso, reached out to us using a false account to find out what we knew about him. That's what I'm seeing here. This was in a plain text telegram chat. Multiple folks can log into the same account in such chats and participate simultaneously in the same chat as the same account. Right. And later on, when I pointed this out to Akela, he at first told me it couldn't be done and that I was paranoid. Then admitted that maybe it could be done. Mm. Then told me that, go figure, he was actually logged into someone else's Telegram account at the same time as they were right then, as he was typing. So, yes, I'm paranoid. But you tell me if that's the kind of thing you have happen on a daily basis. What are the chances, eh? Earlier in that conversation, somebody said that he'd been a part of every Zeusatum investigation squad since last September, which means he had access to all the information they had and was able to sabotage the work they were doing. Theoretically, if you're paranoid. Furthermore, there were two people talking through that fake account. Uh, I pointed this out, and I was told that he was, quote, sometimes walking outside and typed differently on his phone. Okay, maybe. But then later it was, I have carpal tunnel, hmm. which makes no sense whatsoever as an explanation. Tim, assuming one of the two was Tim talking at that end, didn't use the same grammar as the first person. Does that, quote, prove anything? Well, add in the otherwise inexplicable inclusion of Tim's specific evisceration details, and the later admissions that yes, these folks do log in concurrently to each other's Telegram accounts, and you tell me, what's your conclusion? Proof? No. But Occam says it walks and talks and quacks like a fucking puppy torturer. Maybe don't trust it around puppies. So, at this point, we're coming to these conclusions. First, the logs that Akela released in September were only meant to ruin Snake Thing, and ruin is in quotes here. Some other people got leaked in the meantime, and they were super pissed and have been sweeping themselves under the rug since. Second, Kira was brought into this group and being groomed by Nell. Snake Thing, that is. But they didn't trust him. He wasn't a monster, but he had a lot of potentially damaging information. So they took him down and marked him as a zoo sadist and neutralized him as a threat. Which worked brilliantly, by the way. Who would listen to Kiro now if he pointed out nearly unimaginable horrors or whatever else he knows but can't really make stick after this horrible lynching he suffered? Third, these zoo torturers joined all three investigation groups last fall in order to misdirect and generate infighting within them. And indeed, all three groups melted down. Not entirely an accident, it turns out. Fourth, the podcast picking this investigation back up and examining it was incredibly frustrating to the torturers who had been left unpunished, who had apparently been breathing easy and felt their efforts had basically worked. Which is why they started targeting us with misdirection and misinformation right after it launched. Infiltrate, inject false, quote, disclosures to us, create infighting if possible, misdirect our attention. We have seen exactly this pattern in neon bright clarity since that last podcast dropped. And the groups investigating this last year saw exactly the same thing, and they fell apart thereafter. I'm sad to say that there was some infighting in our group too. One thing that breaks down in this dark world is trust. Trust is so important for normal, healthy people, but it's a liability when everyone you're talking to is saying, trust me, it's all okay, and lying through their teeth. Who can you trust? No one. Not even your friendly rat co-host or other people involved that I won't name. No one can be trusted. Yep. I did pull Toggle up one afternoon. 
things were lining up in some uncomfortable coincidences at that point. Too many to just simply ignore. So I confronted him. And you know what he didn't do? He didn't talk about leverage. He didn't threaten me. He didn't say, you can't prove it. What did he do? He told me that he was devastated by what I was saying. And that he had no idea what to say. And that he thought we were friends. And that this sucks so fucking much. All of that was absolutely true. And all of it was painful and damaging and sad. And all of that was necessary because we're dealing with a world where lies are absolutely the coin of the realm. I fucking hated doing that to Toggle. It's disgusting. And I'm disgusted that I know how to do that and that I can make myself do it. But I did because tortured puppies. And I told Toggle I hoped he'd forgive me someday because tortured puppies. I told him I would burn his friendship to protect myself from being sent off on a dead end tangent if necessary. I'd pay that price. I'd pay just about any price to stop this. And I will. And that's tragic. To get out of those deep, dark corners, once the ugly testing is done, you have to kind of rely on a deeper kind of trust. No, I can't trust that you're not lying to me. I want to, but I know you might be getting leveraged right now, and I can't pretend that's even unlikely in this shit-stained mess of a slice of humanity. But I trust that things will generally turn better. I trust that you, even if you're lying to me, even if you're involved in terrible things, can eventually make changes to the better. We've been in a very dark place here for the past two weeks, and it does take a toll on relationships, even really close ones. We have one goal. We will stop these people from torturing animals at all costs. All costs. And that is, in a sense, a destructive path to go down. It's entirely necessary, but it's certainly unhealthy for any sort of traditional standard friendship or other relationship. Now, don't worry, folks. We're fine. We mentioned this as part of being open and honest, and because it's important in understanding where this shitty rabbit hole of animal torture can take you. It's weird, and it's foreign, and it's dangerous. You walk that dark path because you have to, but you walk off of it by retaining your honesty, and dignity, and integrity, even when it's dark all around. Right, we're talking about our own hard parts here because they happened, and because that's how we make sure we're not going rotten to the core. At this point, we knew we had to talk directly to Kiro if possible, so we reached out to Akela to see if he had contact information. Akela said something along the lines of, I don't know what you could possibly ask him that I couldn't answer myself. Well, we're looking for his perspective mostly, I replied. Later that night, our DMs lit up with reports that Akela was instructing people not to talk to us, that he was pretty pissed about some logs that Shadow Wolf had sent us, and true, Shadow Wolf just kept sending file after file after file. People allegedly affiliated with Akela started asking, Hey, did someone send you a cache of logs? I, I don't know how to answer that question, I'd say. Why do you ask? Oh, you could be potentially hurting lots of innocent zoos with those logs. Rest assured, we're not in the business of hurting innocent zoos here. But there was another thing that kept coming up. That the logs were being edited, that Akela had spent the last six months editing those logs. We're pretty sure now that was disinformation, but it struck us as odd. Why the hell were people editing these logs so damn much? And what were they editing out? There's no way to tell. We know now they seem to have scrubbed out any mention of Tim in the original leaks amongst many others. How the hell do you know that though? And you know what innocent zoo they didn't edit out before? Kiro. So spare me the bullshit about how we're going to harm innocent zoos. Akela's motives were becoming increasingly suspect 
where previously we'd been hoping that we would work together really as a team. Obviously, the immediate course of action is to contact Akela and find out for ourselves if any of this was true or not. Meanwhile, in the background, the Zero Than Thou website was being DDoSed. Specifically, the second episode, which is actually hosted on a different server. It wasn't actually very effective, but kind of noteworthy. There's been this sort of low-level background noise of pathetic skitty stuff poking at our tech infrastructure since a few days after the last podcast aired. You know what pisses me off about that? It's the kindergarten-level incompetence it exhibits. It's fucking insulting. I am insulted by that. <laughs> Balsty gets insulted by <laughs> unexpected things sometimes. <laughs> Call him paranoid, obnoxious, a clueless piece of shit, and he's likely to cheerfully agree. That's true. Point a Twitter botnet at the CSA Twitter account and create fake traffic stats, which God knows why you would do that. And he's livid. A Twitter botnet! <laughs> My favorite dynamic in this has been people contacting me to scream that I'm ignorant, incompetent, and I'm doing this all wrong. I agree, basically. I'm doing the best I can, but it could be wrong. And hell, I don't remember taking a class at MBA school on how to take down animal torture cults. Sorry. And then I ask what I should be doing to be less ignorant, more effective, and less incompetent. And it's either nothing, it's all I've been taken care of, these aren't the torturers you're looking for, which sure, Obi-Wan, nobody wants your cheesy rehash of Joseph Campbell's mythological ethnography, or it's fuck you, Fausty, which I don't think is a promise for future sex. So unfortunately, <laughs> mostly it seems to mean toys have been taken and someone's going home. Not once, not once has someone said, here's how to stop being a dumb fuck and make this really work. Not fucking once. <laughs> He's down, big fella. Maybe they'll just hurl ugly insults at you next and you can relax. <laughs> anyway, so next, I messaged to Kayla at length saying, uh, basically, hey, why are you telling people not to talk to us? Here's what we think is going on. And we're just trying to be perfectly honest in our approach in this. Everyone who we've talked to so far puts you right in the middle of this. So just talk to us yourself and help us figure out what's really going on. And the first thing he says in reply, so you figured out Tim is Rainsters. I thought Fausty had him taken care of. Not so easy, is it? Which, <laughs> wow, okay. And then he says, Look, I've been watching you guys from the beginning. So you contact me now, why? Because you think you have leverage? You don't. Fucking leverage. And Kayla goes on to tell us he's got the docs on Shadow and that he's going to have a hard time for leaking documents tied to a federal investigation. He mentions something in describing what's been going on that puts Fausty on notice. He says, uh... Homeland Security is involved due to cross-state lines, pedophilia, and child trafficking. Now, I have spent about six years of my life in federal prison, and there's not much to do in prison except for read and talk to people. During those six years, I've met a number of convicted pedophiles behind bars, and I've studied a little bit of that law. I've looked into and read the materials on a lot of fellow inmates who were doing time for pedophilia. And all that studying suggested to me that the dynamics of what Akela was describing had nothing to do with the reality of all the cases I've actually seen of people being prosecuted by the feds for child abuse of any type. Moreover, though, that's exactly what the second person I was talking to said when I was talking about, about Tim. Given the exact phrasing, it seemed evident that Akela was the second person I was talking to. That's just me. Paranoia? Maybe. But it does line up. 
Michaela basically said we didn't know what the hell was going on, and he's been working on it for the past six months, and we just didn't know what work he'd been doing. We were being stupid and reckless. True. These things mostly checked out. We wouldn't have contacted him in the first place if these things weren't true. He also made sure to tell us he wasn't afraid of us, though we weren't really coming from a place of intimidation, just trying to figure out what the hell was going on. We were hoping we'd get a hold of what exactly was misinformation and what was legit. Pretty much everyone we talked to said they were buddy-buddy with Akela, but also afraid of Akela. It was kind of hard for us to believe he was clean in all this, especially with Fausti being pretty certain he was the second person in that chat with Tim. Akela also dropped another interesting piece of information here. That Fausti's old acquaintance EQ was somehow involved, that he was a ringleader in the whole thing. We'd actually seen EQ's name show up a few times previously in this. EQ, Aquinas, no, not the Aquinas I know from back in the day. I'm thinking it's got to be Ecromore, right? If you know who Ecromore is, that makes a lot more sense. I'd ask some other folks even. EQ, you know, EQ. You think he's wrapped up in this? No, not Aquinas. You got to be thinking of Ecromore. But no, Akela was pointing at someone I do know personally, not closely, but I met him once and I've maintained loose contact with him for years back in the day. The usual horse zoo chatter about riding, tack, whatever. Now granted, I don't think I've talked to EQ since maybe 2012 or earlier, but it does tie into a conversation that one of our listeners had with Akela with regards to me last year. At the time, that listener mentioned my name to Akela in the context of the book Uniquely Dangerous, and Akela told him that my inner friend's circle included Zeusadists and warned that listener off from any contact with me. Well, that was certainly news to me. I mean, holy shit. But interestingly, Akela didn't say which of my friends was a Zeusadist. So when we look back at that episode much later, we had to ask ourselves, if Akela were just trying to spread nasty rumors about EQ for whatever personal reason, why wouldn't he have mentioned him by name back then? There were a few details that stood out as troubling in our conversation with Akela. Unfortunately, because these things happen concurrently, one of my family members ended up in the hospital and I had to drop out at such a critical time. Akela was not thrilled when I pointed Akela to Doug <laughs> and signed off for a little while. So the ball was in my court with regards to Akela at this point. I called him and we talked for about six hours. A lot of that was both of us filling in details previously unknown to each other. A lesser chunk was a spirited debate over what constitutes outing and who was responsible for Kiro's outing last fall. There was a bit of yelling on both sides, mostly my side. Some places where our disagreements simply couldn't be bridged. But overall, it was a productive exchange of knowledge and an important step in the process overall. Akela agreed that it was nearly time to publish these logs publicly anyway, and given that our agendas seemed so close to aligning, it was fortunate that we were able to come to an agreement on that particular item. By the time I came back, we had our hands on the unedited logs, supposedly, and we had to kind of decide what the hell to do with them. Akela was a little difficult to press for more information, and, and several other people we were talking to were acting a little strange, like there was some kind of gag order with regards to some of the questions we were asking. Here, unfortunately, there are details we really need to leave out, even though it's super critical and why we chose to release their logs. But what we eventually came to realize is that pretty much everyone we talked to was operating under some degree of duress. At times, it was clear that there was something they wanted to get to us, information or guidance or something, but that they weren't comfortable just dumping it on us for whatever reasons. 
Now we look back and suspect that, for some of them, it's because their accounts were being watched by others with access to them so they could check up silently through a parallel login and see if anything untoward was going on. We knew for a fact that Kayla was logged in and watching other people's accounts. He told Fausti that during their phone call. And we knew that he had leverage on other people. He told us that, as did others. And we suspected someone had leverage on him, too. We were also certain that people who contacted us and tried to misdirect us were very adamant that we not release the logs for one reason or another. We decided that the expedient release of the logs may help relieve some of the pressure. But this was not before actually looking over the logs to make sure what we had was at least as viable as possible. The logs had been formatted, so they weren't the original Telegram format. That is not ideal. And they had been organized by Kayla, who ultimately decided how the information should be presented. That's also not ideal. There was one folder I decided to redact the name of. It had helpfully been relabeled Kiro because of the stuff we knew and didn't know about Kiro. The other folder I worried over for a long time was the Aquinas folder. Akela had included it in the dump, but apart from a couple of notable items in it, there wasn't really a lot in that folder that was damning. I spent many hours over several days grilling our contacts about Aquinas in particular. How was he connected? Every one of them said, oh yeah, he's definitely into it. But there wasn't a lot more that most of them could say. Akela was the most insistent and had the most information, but really couldn't provide proof. And he said point blank that there never would be any proof. I can't use any of this, I told him. Give me something I can use. Anytime I tried to pressure him into saying more, he'd just say, I've told you all that I could tell you. Meaning there's more, but he wasn't at liberty to tell, or meaning that's all there is to say. If it's the former, one wonders what the holdback is driven by. One big strike against DQ in this was his unanimously confirmed association with Tim, Rainsters, and his unblinking, unflustered, frankly casual interaction with the topic of Zusadism and torture that is documented in the logs, in his own voice. In the end, I decided to leave that folder alone, exactly as it was prepared and organized by Kayla, as I did everything else in that archive, save changing the title of the Kiro directory. And that wasn't a decision I made lightly. I also looked over the logs and thought, you know, this could all be fake, or it could all be heavily edited. There's really no way anybody will know for sure. Well, we were able to confirm the authenticity of at least some of the logs, including EQs, after contacting him about them directly. Thus far, none of the participants have made claims that the logs, the actual text of the logs, have been edited. So that is something in support of their validity. There were a lot of non-ideal things happening here, including the pressure to release these logs as soon as possible. But we didn't release them without careful consideration. And then, there they were. The full, in theory, unedited logs from the torturing. We created several redundancies, pulled in contacts from the vaguely LEO but not directly world, reached out to a few old-schooled animal-focused Anons, not the 4chan turds playing sociopath online, but real Anons, and got to work opening up the direct channels with the appropriate law enforcement agencies, a process that does take a bit of work to do it right. Next, after the log archive was published and available publicly, we saw a big uptick in information coming in through all sorts of channels. Some is clear disinformation, some is clever misdirection, some is true, though 
so incomplete and selective as to be de facto biased. A bit might actually just be true. Also, Fausti is on Twitter acting like an absolute grade-A asshole. <laughs> Unfortunately, that is true. If you've only been watching this unfold on Twitter, I can understand how you'd look at this and say, wow, that reckless motherfucker is grandstanding and trying to ride on the back of this to God knows what. That claim has been made that I'm pursuing this with a vengeance solely because of how popular it will make me or something, <laughs> which, wow, <laughs> I'm not really seeing that. Anyway, that's not actually the point. I am dying of cancer. I don't care about my popularity. What I want is for these torturers to know that we have their number. I do want them to be scared. I want them to scrub their chat logs and put their severed puppy ears through the fucking shredders mm. and clean the blood from their bedroom floors. I want them scared, not because of some bluff, but because they can watch real time what's happening and do the math themselves. Not all of them are dumb, and the not dumb ones know full well that an irreversibly public copy of these leaked logs is the foundation for pulling in firepower from all over the world. All types of people and organizations with all sorts of diverse motivations. That's what they're facing now, a world of fury and a thirst for vengeance. That is absolutely 100% true. And that is a fearful circumstance, as they well know. I want them to know that fear because every second they're running scared, looking behind their backs, trying to clean up the evidence, is a second that they're not torturing and killing animals. Now, maybe that's a shitty tactic. Perhaps it's crude and simplistic and short-sighted. <laughs> Basically a description of me. <laughs> but it buys us time where we know that Tim isn't splitting puppies open because he's too busy ducking and running. If he's not, he's even more brain dead than I already know him to be. And with EQ, always careful, never leaving behind a trace, confident that he can't get caught, we want to send a message to those who think they're too smart to get in trouble that we've got their number two. The heat is on, and we want them to feel it. We'll get to them. In fact, we're already getting to them. We'll get to them through their friends who aren't as careful as they are and who get their dicks caught in the shredder. Those friends will spit out tons of useful information about the EQs of the world. And it is worth remembering that OTR chats can't be protected against the person on the other end simply saving a text copy of the discussions. Just saying. The smart women's would be well advised to consider getting ahead of the game and making sure they don't get left holding the bag because that's just how this stuff works. Of course, we know the go-to for these guys when things get hot is to squeeze the pressure points they have on each other, use their leverage uh, to be sure nobody fucking squeals. That's been successful for them in the past, and it works, up until the point that the whole fucking ship is going down to meet Davy Jones, and at that point, threats stop being quite so credible and compelling. Mm -hmm. No, no matter how you play this, you're all fucked. All of the folder name torturers in this leak are going to have the rage of the world follow them for the rest of their lives. Honestly, my advice would be to tighten up your OPSEC, go underground, cancel your meetups, and take down your torture porn servers because those are being hunted too. But technical predators are of a different order than you would ever encounter before. Feel free to delay the inevitable, <laughs> but you better not fuck up. One slip up, one stray puppy limb unchecked, and you're going to get what you deserve sooner than we'd have dissected. Every time you get the urge, I want you to think to yourself, is someone watching me right now? Did Fausti send a drone over to my barn and set up a surveillance cameras? Am I on film right now? I've actually priced that out. And I mean, it's not like that kind of thing is unusual or something in my world. 
All I can say about that is that if you are not legitimately concerned with defending against that sort of baseline attack model at this point, and you're one of the people named in those folders, you're so far in over your head that this is going to be a very short duration massacre because there's now effectively unlimited resources to support that sort of entirely legal, entirely peaceful surveillance. If you drive someplace this weekend with the intent of cutting up a dog alone and in, quote, peace, just you and your victim, not even a video camera, you need to be wondering whether you were followed and whether someone is filming you all the way through. That's entirely legal, by the way. The filming, I mean, not the canine dismemberment part. Mm. Is that surveillance on you already? Has it been on you for the last week or so continuously? How long will it stay on you? Months? Years? Everyone slips up when enough pressure is applied for a long enough period of time. Rest assured, it's not just a rat and a dog poking at this anymore. And it's not just the zoo community. <laughs> and it's not furries, fuck no. This is so much bigger. Each new area or community that has been made aware of these horrors has its own approach, its own strengths, its own speed of action, its own degree of public visibility. Frankly, it's unlikely there will be much of coordination amongst all of this. Not a goal, not really practical. We've just put these files in enough background to make sense of them into the hands of every activist, animal rights organization, hacktivist, journalist, legislator, lobbyist, lawyer, prosecutor, academic, one thing I'll say about Fasty is he is thorough, and he'll pick up the phone and call absolutely anyone if he thinks it'll help spread the visibility of these leaks. He gets through to people, too. Whatever it takes. I guess that's his old corporate life coming through or something, but he's made calls happen with people I think you can't even get a Christmas card through to. A side note to those of you worrying right now because you were being groomed into some of this monstrous shit, and maybe your name shows up somewhere in these logs. We're not after you. You're, in a sense, victims in this, and that's important to remember. If you haven't actually hurt an animal, I personally see you much more as a victim than as a perpetrator. Well, that's just me, but I don't think that's unusual. There was absolutely an organized, targeted grooming and recruitment process at work in this sick little circle of filth. But dog help you if you ever did hurt an animal. We said this to so many people throughout the process. This is not a game. This is life and death. And with those as the stakes, do not expect us and do not fucking expect me in particular to be as patient and easygoing as is my normal reputation. With stuff like this, all issues regarding social niceties and manners are put a bit to the side. Y'all can yell at me about being an asshole later on, or now if you want. It's background noise until this stuff is demolished, annihilated, wiped so deep into the ground it's not even visible from the air. Once that's done, I'll face the heat and criticism about my tactics, and I'll pay whatever price must be paid. So be it. And let me also add one more thing. We truly love you for listening to our podcast. But this isn't about scoring brownie points and clout. We don't give a shit about whether this makes us look good or bad, whether we have more followers or subscribers, except for how that affects the reach of this information. All of that stuff is trivial. I'll say it again. This isn't a game. This is life and death. This is the right thing to do no matter what the personal consequences are. And hey, if we're doing this all wrong, we're happy to hear suggestions on how to do this right, as long as those suggestions don't include don't do anything, just leave this alone and let someone else take care of that. <laughs> sure, you didn't know this, but that's essentially what every disinformant that contacted us to misdirect us told us to do, including Rainsters himself. It's not an option. Help us do this work better, not pun it off someone else, or get the fuck out of the way. Let me address another false concern. 
that releasing this information somehow hinders law enforcement to nailing these guys. Listen, we, we've been talking with law enforcement officials indirectly, but continuously since right before we received these materials. And that has taken place now for more than a week. Thus far, nobody has told us, hey guys, you really need to take this stuff down because it's going to ruin our investigation. Zero. Nobody has called to tell us we fucked up an important case and we're criminally liable for that somehow. Nobody has said we can just sit back and relax because they've all got it and they're taking it where it needs to go. Nobody. Now, you'd think that by now, if any of those scenarios were true, somebody would have contacted us. Somebody would have contacted me, especially. I'm really not hard to contact, but I've heard nothing. So what we're mostly seeing at this point, the evidence suggesting is that at best, police might have taken a run at this last fall and they got the two guys they got, Wolf and Nell. That leaves about 15 unresolved. We're setting the stage to resolve those at this point and to make sure the two from last fall also get the full global permanent blast treatment they deserve. So don't give us all that bullshit about no need to push this, it's already being handled. Another thing you don't know is how much outside, non-zoo help we were able to get by releasing these logs. People care about protecting animals, and you can't really imagine this kind of stuff exists without reading the logs for yourself. Everyone I've showed these logs to in my non-zoo life has said, holy shit, how the fuck can I help? The natural reaction is to help take these guys down. It's that steady, unanimous, utterly implacable help from all directions that has moved this along at the accelerated pace we've seen, despite us just being two zoos doing a podcast. Drop us a note if you have any questions, suggestions, corrections, or additional information that might be useful to stop these tortures. Obviously, this Torture Files project will continue to evolve, and we'll keep our listeners abreast as important events take place. Also, obviously, there's more to the zoo world than just this particular issue, and although we know other podcasts are doing well covering most any other zooey topic imaginable, we would be remiss if we didn't keep some balance, and that's what we'll continue to do in the future. Our next episode will return to our more whimsical format, because being serious zoo all the damn time is fucking exhausting. Sorry to those who asked us not to do comedy anymore. <laughs> We've already written out the sketches and also puns, so you've been warned. Personally, I do want to thank the zoo community for standing steadfast in opposition to this nightmarish horror that has been hiding in our midst. It's when the pressure is on that you find out what people are really made of. And all of my true friends in this community who have stood firm and done all they can to help destroy this cancer have really reinvigorated my faith in the essential strength and positive impact our community does have. Thank you for setting such a high standard, and thank you for walking this challenging path with courage, integrity, and honor. Be nice to each other. It is the sexiest, zooiest thing you can do. Never forget to stay defiant, fellow zoos. We'll see you next time you feel like howling at the moon. Be well, you glorious zoo nation. Be well. <laughs>